welcome to the Bump Room Podcast. I'm your host, Ailish Cleary, and my mission is to bring connection and understanding to the profound and powerful changes becoming a mother brings. I aim to achieve this through insightful conversations with people I find inspiring and empowering in the space of motherhood support. super excited to be here with Lisa because Lisa and I connected we did the um, motherhood study certification with Sophie and she was the only other Irish person and actually there wasn't too many from the northern hemisphere so that made it lovely and um, Lisa is based up in Dublin and Lisa is a coach to mums um, but in a previous life was a business owner in the beauty industry and likes to likes like can offer a lot of support to mums in business or moms who want to get into business and Lisa and I would love to talk about some of the key things that we kind of maybe picked up or I would actually say maybe how some of the blinkers were removed from me during the certification and um, Lisa had a baby not too long ago and she's kind of, you know entered into motherhood is actually actively now in this transition in motherhood um, so Lisa, I really wanted to talk to you actually about the reel that you did on your Instagram about how, you know, when we have a baby and it's such a huge responsibility and a huge transition in our life, how it's actually, how we don't actually talk about, um, what kind of contract or an agreement we're going to have with our partner about this extra responsibility. So I'm probably explaining it really bad there, but would you mind kind of like, unpacking that a bit and you're very welcome <laughs> <laughs> thanks Ailish it's great to be here and uh, I was delighted when you you um saw that and was like Do you know what I'd love you to want to talk about this with me and um, because it is something that I I suppose like you said I'm just into um motherhood I'm 12 months in now and um I did the motherhood studies course when I was pregnant so I kind of you know my entry point into this sphere and then motherhood was quite interesting um, for me and I learned a lot but I started to notice as I was going along the last 12 months that and I suppose being a business owner and knowing you know having what goes on in there and um, that you know having a baby isn't that dissimilar to having a business you know a lot of the same tasks are required and um, going into partnership with someone to to manage that baby and that business you know requires a lot of the same skill sets uh, you know you can apply the same and even down to sort of the shared commodity of time for example you know you had all the time in the world before yourself and then all of a sudden you're sort of sharing this commodity that was once endless and is now very much not um and also in terms of I suppose who's doing what you know and like in any sort of I suppose the business side if you were to look at going into a partnership with someone you'd probably outline who is doing what, you know, and you'd probably, you'd say probably, but, and also not everyone does. And you can imagine when you go in, if there's nobody sort of dedicated to certain areas, everyone's doing a bit of, or both people are doing a bit of everything. Um, and it can get quite messy and it can get very, you know, disorganized. It can just get a bit, um, who's doing what? But what I noticed was, you know, as a couple and with a baby in that disorganization or in that sort of who's doing what, 
what inevitably can happen is you just default into the gender roles because that's that's just what will happen um and that's what I did like I had no conversation with my husband before we had the baby about now maybe I, I was naive I didn't know I kind of thought the baby was just going to slot into my life like that was probably naive really <laughs> like I just no like you know I think it's um it's it's kind of what what you would hope really isn't it that it would you know become part of 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 um of your life and plus um, everyone else was doing it Lisa everyone else seemed to be having babies and going back to work and managing things like like seamlessly you know so that's how it occurred to me you know that yeah. oh this is just something that you just kind of tag into your life I don't need to have big conversations or big but I think we really did yeah and I think that's such a good point Ailish like everybody seems to and I say that in inverted commas because <clears throat> I think that's why conversations like these are really important and like the work of you know Dr. Sophie Brock, who we trained with, is so important because it it <clears throat> it highlights it it educates us. Like there's a you know uh, and 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 a learning like we we cannot change what we cannot see. So if we don't become aware of what's happening, we have no real hope of changing it. And how do we become aware? You know, by I suppose by having conversations and um, learning. And, and educating ourselves um, is a good start anyway, you know, and I always remember um, Sophie was saying about the, the unlearning and then the relearning, you know. Mm. I'm just wondering, Lisa, like when you had your baby, which, yeah. which your other half, like, did you, did you make a contract or an agreement or what kind of conversations did you have? Yeah, so um, I suppose, like we're from Ireland, right? And you know, I don't know, I, I, the, I mean, I feel like, you know, when you look, when I look at my mom and her generation, I could see the inequality, you know, I could see her, un, I could see her work not being valued, the unseen work at home, the care work, all of what she did at home wasn't valued, you know, and that wasn't, her specifically but I could see it around me I don't think it's changed massively you know coming down into our generation um, and it made me nervous it made me really nervous to have a baby I was 39 having a baby um, and I put it off and I felt when I go over that threshold and I become a mother and I have a baby what's going to happen to me what's going to happen to me as a business owner what's going to happen to my freedom as my autonomy my agency as a as a as a woman, you know, uh, as a human. Um, and yeah, it made me really, it, it was definitely a factor in probably putting it off so long. And um, so, so I was aware of the social change that was gonna happen for me, but I didn't fully aware, until, I wasn't fully aware until I did that training with Dr. Sophie Brock. So that gave me an understanding, it gave me words. And um, I was able to put words on what I could feel and see around me but um then I had actual research and you know stuff to to and it really helped with the conversation with with my husband which we had already sort of had in a way before we decided to have the baby because I, I really you know I love working in my business and I love traveling and I love loads of things and 
um, I just wondered, was it all going to just end, you know? And did I, was it one or the other? Could it ever really be both? And I just didn't know. Mm. And so it made, me, it made me a bit apprehensive, you know? Um, and so, yeah, we, we did, we had, you know, conversations around what's important to us as people, you know, what's important to him, what's important to me, what's, you know, the other side of this, when at least we had an understanding of what we, I suppose were, what's the word, like a non-negotiable, like this is really important for me. And so he knows that and tries to facilitate me in that, this side, because we'd had the conversation. Because I think if I tried to have those conversations when I'd had the baby, no chance. I just, it was just the first six months where I found were just carnage, you know? I was like, there's no conversations happening here. This is survival. This is just get through the nights, get through the feeds, you know, um, learn how to do everything, you know, with a baby. Um, so yeah, having had those conversations before the baby got there was the most helpful thing. Yeah, I think that's actually critical, like to have the conversations before the baby comes, you know, um, and like in my classes, like I recommend the book, this book by Sophie Birch. So Sophie Birch actually did Sophie's training as well. And she has this book called Beyond Birth. But like in, in this book at the back, you know, at the towards the end, she has all of these questions that um, partners should be asking each other, you know, um, before the baby comes. And um, like, like exactly what you said, what's non-negotiable, what's important to us, what are, you know, what are our values around this, you know, and like, I did none of that, you know, like, and they're just really important to do. And I think that if you wait till the baby comes, you're, because your brain changes so much during the pregnancy, but definitely afterwards, and you're like, you're just become hardwired to care for this baby. Like mm -hmm. it's so primal and instinctual and that that kind of heart that kind of kind of hijacks your brain a little bit for a while you know so it's really challenging you know to do it I have a little visitor now here Lisa in the middle of our podcast hello there there you go so um she totally knows to come in when I'm busy um but anyway it gets hijacked so I think that it is critical and I say to the women in the bump room, I kind of start planting the seed about it. You know, I kind of be like, you know, guys, have the conversation now. And mm. um, I don't know how, sometimes I don't know if it really lands, you know. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, it sounds like you having those conversations beforehand made a big difference. I think, I think it did. I think it's certainly put us into, you know, the first, first foot forward in a, in a good, in a good stead. But, you know, I, I, I don't think it's to say that they can only be had then because we've had many since, you know, um, it just helped having that first kind of like a brainstorming session, really, <laughs> again, the business, um, but it really was, you know, and sort of trashed out, you know, what was important to us. I guess we didn't know what was going to, you know, what it was going to look like on the other side when we had the baby. So the best we could do at that point was just, figure out what was important to us, figure out, you know, it just sort of gave a slight sort of North star to follow for the other side for us as individuals. And like Gabor Mate, and I always hang on to this, said the best gift you can give your child is a happy mother. 
and I just I, I I lean into that all the time because you know the social the social context that we live in the perfect mother myth you know it's a patriarchal structure and um, that we are surrounded by on a daily basis you know doesn't doesn't reinforce that quote you know it's the it, it's 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 pretty much the opposite you know it's self self-sacrificing and um you know be be everything to all and you know it's impossible like we can't you know and you know inevitably you know it you could end up very depleted and exhausted and unhappy you know and so i hang on to that quote you know the best gift you can give your child is a happy mother you know because i just think it's so true so yeah that's a great um, heard that i love gabor mate but i hadn't like yeah that's like that's a good one to yeah, hang on to if the guilt is coming in or you know and I think a lot of that guilt is that sort of external narrative coming at us that you know if we're not giving everything to our children we're bad mothers or we're not good enough mothers or you know if we're putting ourselves first that it's selfish which we were talking about that word at the beginning which is an awful word I'm really beginning to resent when I hear that word because I hear it referred to you know when women say I'm being selfish or maybe I need to be a bit more selfish I just the word I'm like no it's it's like it's a bad thing you know um it's not the right word to use when we're putting ourselves um yeah you know it, when we're filling our own cup it's yeah. not the right word to say I need to be more selfish I don't think Do you know yeah Maybe. like I, I really I think that since I've done the certification I, I may occur to some people like you know like this happens it, it happens once this has happened to me once or twice um like say for instance I met someone who's a relative of my husband's I hadn't seen her in a long time so you know you have those conversations where you're like oh what are you doing now and and she said oh I, I've stopped work I'm, I'm just at home like I'm just I'm just at home with the kids right yeah. and I immediately like I say she probably thought I was like I was like don't say that that diminishes your value like and she was like okay okay I just but I said it really aggressively like because yeah. I, I got my back up straight away when she said just at home I was like don't say that that diminishes your value like I hadn't actually met her in years but the amount of times I noticed this language now of oh yeah I'm just at home or um or I think the other one that really frustrates me like like that when someone would say oh, I know it's kind of selfish but I'm gonna go like people would say things like that I'll hear I'll hear friends of mine saying no I know it's kind of selfish but I'm just gonna go like for a weekend away with my friends or uh, and so it's almost like they have to validate it you know or even I don't know what when I hear that I get kind of angry when I hear women say this you know and then another one is like and I've had to stop myself from doing this because I and I I mean obviously I spoke this way before as well like I'm not saying I haven't I've done the same you know but um another one is like um you know if you see a man cooking or doing the shopping or doing some of the domestic you know tasks this kind of thing where we say oh isn't he great oh the poor the poor man uh, and um you know um it was kind of funny because I mentioned this to someone I know um she, she's 
she's older like she's a woman in her 60s and she's fabulous right and she uh, my husband was working late and she needed him to do something and I, I said oh I'll ask him when he comes in and she goes oh no the poor man he's been working all day right she said that and I said don't say that <laughs> and she was like okay and I was like no but like he chooses to work all day I'm here at home with the kids all day um, and um, she, she, she said to me actually she said she lost her husband young in her 40s right and she told me when I said this to her she told me the story she said well actually I knew a, another man whose husband, his wife had died and for, for a long time women were delivering meals to him you know other women were delivering meals to him and she said that she got that too but only for the first little while wow and I was like oh my god like yeah yeah that like, almost like he wouldn't be able but because you're a woman, you're expected to kind of be able, you know, to be. Yeah. And so I have to really stop myself. Um, actually, disab disabling men. Or well, dis yeah. You know, I, do you know it's funny you say that because what you were when you were talking there, something um, came into my mind that was a big one for me, um, and I talked to Tiernan about this because men are no less inherently capable than we are of doing tasks, right? that it's basically the repetitive um, nature of doing something over and over is how a human learns how to do something. That's as simple as that. Um, and one of the things that we learned about Eilish on the, the, in the training, in the motherhood uh, studies, was a thing called uh, maternal gatekeeping. Mm. And it happens, um, it can happen at any point, but I think it happens pretty, you know, it can, it, it, there's a, there's, there can be an identity um, shift. You know, you go from being a businesswoman or a woman in work generally, you're, you know, you're off doing your thing and then you have a baby and then that, that, that particular identity kind of falls by the wayside because you're not doing it anymore and you're, you're into your, your um, mothering role and maternal gatekeeping can happen and it can be, um, it can be um, encouraged by identity sort of thing and you you lean like women can lean in mothers can lean into the role of mothering in a way that actually um pushes men out and so um it disables men in terms of like learning to do the nappies learning to do the bottles learning how to clean them put them together do the night feeds do this stuff um and it, it it's basically disables and disarms but it sets a tone for the the rest of the the years kind of ahead you know it can it can set the mm. tone for that um because like you said it disables them and i, I really, totally did I really, that like, i yeah. totally did that and you yeah. know i could feel it with when i had but i did it for a different reason to an identity yeah, yeah. It, it, i don't know i was wondering like for value and it can be many reasons why it can happen as you know um but I thought it was really interesting because I could feel myself wanting to say to Tiernan, oh, you're doing it wrong. Oh, no, no, no. Do it this way. Do it that way or whatever. But sometimes, and he's doing it great. Do you know, he's doing it his way. And had I not known about maternal gatekeeping, I probably would have stepped in more aggressively and said, no, 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 you know, and taken over and sort of, and I suppose the patriarchal, that sense of that the perfect mother myth would have said to me, you should be doing this. You know, mm. this, I would, you know, that narrative is out there. You know, this is your space. You are the mother. You should know best. 
you know, mother's, you know, intuition, you know, all this kind of stuff coming at you. But had I not known to not do that, I think I, you know, it would have been a lot more difficult for me. So I let him learn his way of doing things and have his relationship with Charlie and me do my way of doing things and have my relationship with her, you know? Um, so yeah, I just thought it was definitely something that had I not known about it, I think I would have shot myself in the foot a bit sooner, if you know what I mean. In that yeah, case. and I think like, like did it. Yeah, sorry, there's just a small, but the line is breaking up a little bit, Lisa. So um, I, I don't, I, it's fine though now, it's fine now. Um, I definitely did maternal gatekeeping, but I did it from a social construct where I thought like, okay, I'm off, I'm the mother. Um, my job now is to do everything, all the mothering, all of the domestic tasks, all of that. That's my job now. And really like when I became a mother the first time, I would say my life completely altered or completely changed. Whereas my husband's life probably just shifted slightly, you know, like it didn't, he kept going, doing what he was doing. And I just, everything for me changed, you know? Um, and I think that you can, it's not that it was, I don't want to sound like that it was wrong or bad um, because, there, you know, I loved, I loved that first. I loved it. Like I loved the babies when they were small. And, but I suppose I didn't realize the impact my maternal gatekeeping was going to have um, further down the line, which is like, you know, when you go back to work, what happens then? Because then you've been doing all the tasks and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you haven't enabled or empowered your partner to do them. And then you're tired and stressed and working and you just start doing, you just start trying to squeeze them in on top of, of your job. Um, so I think maybe if I had prepared for that transition or, you know, it would have been much better, you know, um, but yeah. And I want, remember you were talking about that research there about the gender roles. Yeah. What was that again? So that, that actually was quite interesting there was um research done and um it was called uh, the the construction of motherhood uh, tasks relation connections and gender equality and uh, by randy cartery and carmen marth so basically it was research done on two groups uh, of couples and um, there was the group who believed in gender talent those who believed basically that women were uh, genetically and inherently better at mothering and parenting and so they believed that and the father was better out of the house working you know doing that so it's your sort of traditional roles um, and then you had the group who believed in conscious collaboration so the group who believed in the gender talent they believed that basically fathers and um, fathers they themselves they believed that mothers had the natural instinct and inherent instinct and that the fathers should step back and step aside and um, that the other that mothers organized uh, their time and their life around their children um, and they took on the continual responsibility of parenting mothers the other group so the group of the conscious collaboration they took active steps in ensuring in in ensuring fathers developed connections with their children they creatively came up with tactics outside of the necessary maternal caregiving 
So that would be things like outside, let's say uh, a mother is breastfeeding and she doesn't want to um, uh, like give up a feed necessarily just yet to a bottle or whatever, you know that. So it's outside the, the caregiving that they can do without interrupting um, that, that feeding process or whatever it is uh, on that side. And that the, that the fathers built their confidence and their competencies um, due to repeatedly doing tasks. Um, and that the fathers in this group were open to learning and that the mothers didn't intervene when fathers were performing the caregiving. So what the outcome of the research from the conscious coupling side of things was that um, active planning is just so important if, if you want to do it differently to the, 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 the narrative that, that, that we do live in. Um, so even with the best of couples, with the best of intentions, without active planning and support, that they are likely to default into the cultural and social norms of inequality around caregiving roles, because that's the context we're surrounded within and live within. Yeah, like, will you just say that bit again? Because I think that's really important. Yeah. So even with the best of couples, with the best of intentions, without active planning and support, they are likely to default into the cultural and social norms of inequality around the caregiving role, because that's the context we're surrounded within and live within. And then the cultural and social norms, like I think it's one of the things I picked up anyway, was that they're embedded in us. They're, a lot of them are subconscious, like they're things we've seen growing up, things we've seen um, around us all the time, things that we just take to be true or right. Just the way it is. Just the way it is, yeah. And I definitely think there's starting to be a shift in Ireland because I think our roles are still quite traditional. Now, I'm not sure if that's just my experience, but like I would say they are still very traditional, like that the the mother tends to do the majority of the, the mothering tasks, you know. Mm, yeah. um, but there definitely is a shift, I would say, in the last few years. You know, yeah. I remember when I had my first child 12 years ago, there was no men pushing buggies or shopping trolleys. <laughs> I know that sounds like a sweeping generalization, but like they're actually very few. And now I see them all the time. Yeah. And it's funny because you're right. And people go, isn't he great? Jesus, isn't he great? It's like a marching band, you know, for the guy in there doing the shopping with his, you know, I, and I joke, but like at the same time, it's, I'm like, where's my marching band? <laughs> I'm doing the shopping with the baby. Where's my marching band? Yeah. But, you know. Um, yeah, like as if you were to kind of like give, like, I don't want to say tips, but like, what, like I, I have a whole list of what I would do differently. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that's a whole other podcast on its own like <laughs> these are all the mistakes I made um but what would be like do you know like I what I'm, my question is actually not person not a, your own personal really it's more just in, in in the context of social and cultural norms like how do you think we can start kind of banging against that tank that fish tank that Sophie talks about in the Irish context 
yeah. and like just one way I think is just to stop myself like literally zip my mouth when I see a man doing a domestic task and to stop my almost it's almost like a, I don't know what you call it like an automatic god you're great aren't you great there look at you doing the cooking and the shopping and you know isn't he great you know aren't you lucky to have him so I have to shut my mouth and not say anything you know when when that thought comes into my head mm. um so that's been one thing I've consciously done and I've consciously actually when I do hear women say things like selfish or just a mother I, I kind of have come out with those comments <laughs> I don't know whether they're very welcome or not but I know and it's yeah. Yeah, I think like it's, um, you know, when you start, you know, yeah, I wanted to get up onto like a ballad, you know, like a Michael Collins situation and be like, you know, up there with this freaking ballot box. And like, I'm like, if not that, what, you know, how, where do we go? You know, but, you know, I just think it's one conversation at a time. And um, I just think we cannot learn what we cannot change, what we cannot see and, and seeing is what's important. and in the first step I think in in becoming aware of the social mm -hmm. the context that we live in and the, and the narrative that's out there you know the patriot understanding that the that motherhood is in fact a, a social structure a patriarchally set up social structure that uh, very much works for men but does not work for women and just understanding that and um, can really help then push back and say no I choose not to buy into that I don't choose that to be aligned with my uh, values or my vision for my life. Um, and, you, you know, I think it's a, it's a good starting point and not everybody will want to change, you know, the, the, the fish tank, the social structure we live in, it works for some women, it works for some people. And that's, that's all down to sort of resources, their socioeconomic sitting, like a lot of stuff impacts how, and when people want information or want to change, you know, but for yeah. those that do, I think listening to podcasts like Dr. Sophie Brock, I li literally listened to her first podcast and that was it. My whole life changed, like, and how I see things like her very first one. Yeah. Like, like, I think one of the biggest things maybe that I took as well from her work was how caregiving um, all caregiving, like be it mothering or caring for the elderly or caring for anything, anyone, any person, that that is not really economically valued mm. in our society at the moment. Mm. Um, and um, it's not going to be valued until we value it. Yeah. You know? mm. And I think that those convers the conversations I had, which I didn't have before, um, especially after she read some of the research around how it's mothers, oh, two seconds there, how it's mothers that are experiencing more poverty later in life, you mm. know, because they didn't have the capacity, the earning capacity when they were mothering, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think the biggest thing is kind of understanding the financial worth of your contribution in your mothering and that should be reflected in the overall um financial health you know yeah absolutely you could nearly do a whole podcast on the financial value you know and and, and the mothering value and like you know you're you're because when you become a mother you most likely 
may find yourself not earning you know and then yeah and then you're like and I did and you're like you kind of think you're working through it but then and that's fine but then you'll start to cut back your hours as well as your kids get older and then you're like okay well how is this and then you might start losing career opportunities and I know that's it's a whole realm like it's like you know it's like that whole new podcast we'll do that next time Let's do that next Lisa, thank you so much for being so generous with your time. I really, really appreciate it. And I think that we are flying this flag now in Ireland. Absolutely. Absolutely. And thank you so much for having me on because it's um, been a great conversation. Thanks a million. I think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant. And uh, I really look forward to hearing all the other ones coming out as well. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Lisa. Thank you for listening. If you found this conversation informative, please share. Everything happens in conversation. If you want to learn more about our classes and education at The Bump Room, head over to our website, thebumproom.ie.